Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. When Yevgeny Prigozhin's Wagner militia crossed into Rubicon, also known as the Don, all of the decision makers and strategic planners in the Middle East braced for a face-off between the mercenaries' employer and President Vladimir Putin. As quickly as it began, however, the crisis abated, but the root causes are still there and so are the lessons begging to be learned by Israel and other regional powers such as Iran, Turkey and Syria. What are these lessons, and can anyone outside Russia do anything to avert the nightmare scenario of nuclear weapons falling into rogue hands? To analyze these issues, let us turn to Munich, Germany, where we're joined by retired General Klaus Naumann, who is a former chief of defense of the Bundeswehr, as well as uh, chairman of NATO's military committee. Thank you for joining us, sir. Hello. Also joining us is retired Major General Dania Tom, who is the former director of the Mossad Intelligence Agency. Thank you for joining us as well, General. You're welcome. And uh, here with me in the studio is our TV7 uh, editor-at-large, Mr. Amil Oren. Amil, take it away. So um, ever since the um, State of Israel was established, uh, not uh, so long after uh, the Second World War, when the Red Army was considered, and rightly so, one of the victorious military organizations, there was this uh, fear in Israel of the bear. Um, and several uh, times, on several occasions, the um, Soviets and then the Russians either threatened Israel with missiles in 1956 or sent their equipment, sometimes with so-called volunteers, sometimes with Air Force pilots to Egypt and Syria. And there were other occasions. And everyone knows that ever since uh, the Soviet Union disintegrated, the Russian forces were not so fearsome. Perhaps we saw it in Afghanistan, too, uh, in the decade before uh, the Soviets uh, disappeared and were transformed into the Russians, Ukrainians, and, and the others. But what happened, not only over the last 16 months, but over the um, uh, day or so, when a group of 20-some thousand mercenaries managed to cross the Don and uh, march on Moscow, whatever deal was struck between uh, their chiefs, it meant that the Soviet forces were surprised, were powerless, and one must ask oneself, what does it mean about the Russians in Syria? Also, what does it mean regarding the will of conscripts, not the mercenaries, conscripts in Ukraine to fight? What does it mean about the decision-making mechanism, which not only the Russians have, but several countries have tried to emulate them? For instance, Bashar Assad has, much like his father Hafez before him, has been affected um, and influenced by the Russian model. So all of that will have uh, uh, to be learned by Israel and others. A question to both of you, and we'll start with you, General Nauman. The fact of the matter is, while Wagner forces were marching on Moscow, uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran 
Syria and other nations, not only in the Middle East, but also in Africa, have come out and declared their support for the Kremlin, for President Vladimir Putin. Does this now change the calculus in Putin's mind? Uh, and do you expect to see certain changes in the modus operandi of Moscow towards the Middle East in particular, in the extent of uh, assistance that it provides, in uh, the extent of uh, cooperation or interoperability with the various nations here in the region? Well, I think we uh, many details of this uh, attempt of the Wagner mercenaries still need to be found out. We do not know uh, sufficiently enough to come to a clear-cut assessment. Uh, I, I would not. I would not take it as granted that uh, um, that the mercenaries could move into Moscow, or close to Moscow, 200 kilometers south of it. Uh, without any resistance, if there hadn't been uh, some form of cooperation. It was not surprise. There was something more than that, but we don't know. It, and I cannot speculate since I'm no longer privy to any classified information. But uh, what we have seen is that uh, an obviously consolidated regime, like the Putin regime, doesn't seem as being as consolidated as we believe. There seem to be cracks and rifts, but we don't know yet what happened precisely. Uh, we we learned that, uh, obviously, at least the aircraft of President Putin left Moscow, whether he was aboard or not, I don't know. We, we learned that uh, hundreds of private aircraft, uh, probably oligarchs, left Moscow which is an indication that this was not a fake operation. It was something which is, was more serious, and they were afraid of it. And uh, very much to, to my surprise, I should say, that the Wagner mercenaries succeeded in taking over an army commander at Rostov without any resistance there is almost incredible. But most importantly for me is that... Uh, Prigozhin was allowed to transmit to the Russian people that the entire reasoning for the Ukraine war was a lie, that uh, nothing of the statements of the Minister of Defense was true. And uh, one day, sooner or later, this information will sneak into the ears of the young people fighting in Ukraine, dying in Ukraine, for a cause which doesn't exist. And that is something which will affect the morale of the forces there. And that may be the mid to long term effect, which could change things, uh, in this case, for the better for Ukraine. Indeed. General Yatom, your take? Yes, I would like to add uh, two points. One, what is uh, the impact? on the status and the image of uh, President Putin. And I think that uh, it uh, this grade, it uh, uh, decrease the image of Putin as a powerful man. I think that uh, this uh, image uh, started to be eroded 
after a few months of the war, when those were, that were involved in the war saw the poor capabilities or outcomes of the Russian operations, this is something that started, as a matter of fact, at the beginning of the war, that immediately Russian forces stopped their march, their fight, and for a few weeks they uh, stood the same place. Now for them it is even uh, more difficult because of the modern weapon systems that the Ukrainians received from many countries, including Germany and including uh, Israel, uh, sorry, and uh, the United States uh, of America. So one thing is what is the status of Putin? Even though Prigozhin said that uh, the march, the aim of it was not to replace Putin, but uh, to make uh, both uh, uh, Garasimov and uh, Shoigoi Shoigoi, yeah, both of them to to cause uh, put, uh, Putin to fire them because of uh, their poor achievements and due to the fact that uh, they uh, failed in providing equipment and ammunition to the uh, Wagner group. And the other thing, which is even more important, that for the first time, the public in Russia, which does not participate directly and does not connected, is not connected directly to the war, understands that uh, during the year and four months since the beginning of the war, the Russian propaganda worked extra hours in order to cheat him and to lie to the public. And for the first time, the public sees, at least partially, the picture of what is going on in Ukraine uh, and how poor is the Russian armed forces. So I really don't know how it will continue to develop. But there are experts that say, and I think that uh, there is a nucleus of, of truth in the assessment, that this is the beginning of the fall, of the collapse of uh, President Putin. Well, time will tell, of course, uh, others uh, or another school of thought uh, does indicate that uh, uh, the the success of the FSB to somehow uh, manage to stop Wagner and, and draw them back uh, uh, without even firing one bullet, or there were a few bullets fired, of course, uh, in which uh, 12 aircraft, Russian aircraft, were intercepted by Wagner forces, and then... Uh, uh, of course, a uh, number of pilots were killed uh, as a result. It's still amazing to see this uh, calculus. But uh, let's narrow down this discussion to Russia's impact uh, on the Middle East post this event that occurred 
uh, roughly a week and a half ago. So, so um, uh, if you look back um, approximately a decade, uh, in 2014, Ukraine was the main focus of um, Putin's interests. Putin came back to the presidency in 2012, having spent four years as Medvedev's prime minister. And right after that, in 2015, he entered Syria. For the um, uh, six years or so, seven years, we have all looked at Syria as the main Russian uh, defense concern. And Israel had to uh, learn to live, to coexist with the Russians, to de-conflict uh, the air forces there. Now uh, it turned around again. Um, Putin's attention span cannot be so wide as to encompass the Ukraine, Prigozhin, Belarus, and Syria. It must now recede uh, to a lower priority. And that gives Israel an opportunity to act with more freedom, but it also gives the Iranians more freedom to act in Syria. Since the fact of the matter is that were Russian MPs, military police, that provided for a buffer to thwart Iranian forces from entrenching immediately on Israel's borders. Yes, but you know, the, the MPs are only symbolic. It's the, it's the understanding that behind the MPs there is an empire. And now it's not so certain that the empire is there. So we may be in for an escalation, for a more problematic time in the Israeli, Iranian, Syrian, Russian rectangle in Syria. Indeed. General Nauman, I'd like to refer this uh, next point to you. The, the fact of the matter is, uh, uh, the question or not, whether uh, we're talking about a bear or a paper bear is, is already uh, within uh, the calculus. But uh, when we're looking at Russia, is its portrayed weakness impacting uh, or creating a certain vacuum in other regions, including the Middle East, that may foster some additional frictions and embolden uh, certain nations to act more uh, decisively, taking into account, of course, what Mr. Owen just mentioned with regarding to uh, more freedom of operation on Israel's side, more freedom of operation on Iran's side? Well, um, first of all, I, let me say the impression of Russia being a mighty, powerful bear, which is very dangerous, uh, is a little bit over, overthrown, I should say. Uh, Russia, if you look at it, has only one strength, and that is weapon, and in particular nuclear weapons. Uh, the country as such is not very strong. There is no economic strength if I leave aside the export of raw materials and weapons. Uh, the country has no, no attraction to an outside world to copy the Russian model uh, to the country. The young Russians are, are leaving by the thousands, year by year, Russia in order to seek their, their life in the so-called West. And then, if you look at the demographic situation of Russia, that is a nightmare. The Russian population is about to shrink, and the majority of Russian citizens by the year 2050 
will be of muffling belief, uh, to which extent you can reconcile that with the uh, ideas of President Putin of the Russian Empire, uh, that is a, a question he has to answer. So it's not the big bear. It is, it is a big country, a huge country, which has uh, some strength, but which has tremendous weaknesses and which I think cannot survive in the big competition of, uh, which is going on in this world without being supported by someone. But what Putin has done is to make his country to be a vassal of China. Uh, and uh, his influence is is dwindling, and his ab uh, ability to embark on foreign policy adventures, I think, is not really increasing. It may shrink. So, to some extent, he may be a little bit more cautious in embarking on new adventures and to to leave the Iranian dog off the leash. Indeed. Uh, well, uh, General Yatom, I'd like to refer the next question to you. And I think it's maybe important to interject uh, for the sake of our viewers. Uh, prior to the invasion, Russia's economy, or uh, GNP, was as big as that of uh, uh, Italy, which was roughly in the estimates of $60 billion. So, uh, of course, there is a lot more to it, but uh, the Russian economy is quite uh, small compared to the United States, to China, and to India, even for that matter, and other countries, including Germany. But I, I'd like to ask you, General Yatom, uh, when we're looking at uh, the current challenge that Israel uh, has to face here in the region, uh, particularly the Islamic Republic of Iran, as you mentioned also in our uh, program last Friday, uh, you highlighted the fact that uh, uh, there's an ongoing uh, campaign between the wars, Mabam in Hebrew, uh, which uh, has uh, quite the impact on diminishing Iranian capacity to uh, entrench militarily in Syria and elsewhere. Uh, but now we see more and more reports about Iranian flights of cargo planes entering Russian uh, airspace uh, or the Russian airbase of Latakia in Syria. Uh, we're seeing more cooperation on shipments of weaponry from Iran to uh, the Russia uh, in order to be utilized then against Ukraine in the war there. And we're seeing more and more reports also about Russian systems being shipped and also new agreements of more systems being sent from Russia. Uh, to Iran, something that then Israel also has to contend with. Are we seeing a new development in this ongoing uh, clash between Tehran and Jerusalem? Yes, to a certain extent, uh, we see new approaches and new developments. And it started uh, with uh, the agreement uh, and understanding of mutual uh, assistance between uh, Russia and Iran just lately, and uh, Russia and China as well. So uh, now publicly, uh, it is known that uh, Iran assists Russia mainly till now by sending to Russia its drones that uh, attack uh, Ukrainian uh, targets. And uh, at the beginning, maybe now they studied how to cope with it, but at the beginning, it was a very big success, those drones, and they caused many casualties 
a lot of uh, ruin to uh, to Ukrainian people and Ukrainian uh, facilities. But uh, Iran will continue to be an enemy to Israel. And as a matter of fact, our main challenge is how to stop Iran from acquiring a nuclear weapon system. Because uh, even while looking at uh, what's going on in Ukraine and the fact that uh, Putin threatens few times to use uh, part of uh, his uh, nuclear arsenal against uh, either the Ukrainians or uh, some Western countries that assist Ukraine. This is something that uh, might be copied by Iran. And this is one of our worries that, uh, you know, when we are talking about this uh, threat and this challenge and people asking us, what do you think that the Iranians are that stupid to uh, use uh, nuclear weapons against Israel? They know that uh, Israel will retaliate. But this is not the question. The question is, will Israel be able to exist freely while knowing that there is such a possibility that Iran once has a nuclear capability, will either threaten to use it or will use it. And uh, I don't think that we should uh, expelled, or we, we, we should not uh, take off the table any possibilities. So we must, and I think that once Iran will have a nuclear capability, it will be an ex existential threat to the state of Israel, Good. even before using it, if at all. Iran will uh, be on uh, our screen. Iran that uh, would like to produce nuclear uh, weapon systems, but the same Iran that expands its uh, uh, capabilities and uh, put an hand in Syria and in Yemen, even though I don't know what will be now uh, the results of, again, another bad agreement to Israel, which is the agreement between Iran and Saudi Arabia. And uh, the question is, uh, will uh, the Saudis, under such circumstances, will dare to uh, cooperate closely or closer with Israel? In addition to it, please, we shouldn't forget that Iran harbors the Hezbollah, the, the Islamic Jihad, the Hamas uh, put some like something like one billion dollars yearly, annually, for the development of uh, Hezbollah, and uh, it ignites also the situation in the West Bank with uh, lately too many uh, terror attacks and has a bad influence in the region 
which is uh, against Israel. It will be, I think, more difficult because the Iranians will feel that they have the backing of the Russians and they will feel more free or more freely to uh, act in uh, on uh, Syrian soil. And I'm not sure that it will be a bigger freedom for for Israel vis-a-vis -vis the Syrians, the, sorry, the Russians, because uh, the Russians can uh, do uh, many problems, create many problems Indeed. for the freedom uh, flight to Israel. Indeed. Uh, well, uh, we're drawing near to the end of the program, and I'd like to give each and every one of you the opportunity to have a closing statement. Uh, please keep it short, as we are running out of time. General Nauman, we'll start with you. Well, uh, I, I don't expect that Russia will play a too active role in the next uh, few years to come, since uh, Russia is weakened by the by the events in Ukraine. And uh, Russia is surprised by the fact that despite all their efforts, the so-called West stood united. Uh, and all calculations of Russia so far fail. So I don't expect new attempts by them. It will be a phase of lick, uh, a phase, if I may say so, of licking the wounds, regaining strength, and then uh, Try again, but uh, that will take a couple of years. The general Yatom really a sentence and a half. Well, I think that uh, due to the uh, developments of the last year or something like that, a year and a half, the world becomes more dangerous place to live, and we have to be prepared to any kinds of challenges in order to protect our countries, our people, and our vital interests. Uh, the Wagner episode shows that uh, no unit is above suspicion, and dictators especially will suspect the reliability of even the special forces, Spetsnaz and all of that. So we will see a new um, suspicion on Putin's part and perhaps on Assad's and others. Indeed. Well, there are a lot of lessons to be learned here. Uh, this is all the time that we are for today. I'd like to thank General Klaus Naumann, former chairman of NATO's military committee, as well as chief of uh, defense of the Bundeswehr. Uh, I'd like also to thank uh, General uh, uh, Yatom, former director of the Mossad, and Mr. Amir Oren for uh, providing us with so much of your knowledge as, ye as ever. I'd like also to thank all of you at home. Until next time. Shalom. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.